This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. So, uh, welcome to um, another one of the Coach Delta podcast in Series 2. And uh, My name is Marianne Davies. Uh, and I'm a senior coach developer here at UK Coaching, and I am absolutely delighted to welcome Anne-Marie Monk with me today. So, uh, and Anne-Marie and I are going to talk about, um, broadly about the so different cultures and coaching and competing within in different cultures and also sort of things like being a woman in those spaces. Um, yeah, kind of things around that. So very much about that sort of social cultural background to what we do and what we can bring to those. So uh, let me welcome Anne-Marie. <laughs> oh, thank you, Marianne. It's really good to be here. And thank you for asking me to join you in this discussion. Um, so yeah, I think I should probably give a little bit of a lowdown on who I am and where I'm from. Um, you can probably tell by my accent that I'm not local. <laughs> So, so I, uh, I'm a, a kid that was born in Hong Kong. I have, uh, I come from mixed race family. My mom is Chinese. My dad is a crazy Viking. Um, and I grew up in a, you know, like going to English international school and then American boarding school and college in the U S. Um, I swam for Hong Kong internationally and, uh, retired uh, in 1996 and then kind of moved into the coaching space um, naturally with swimming and have been, I've been doing that for a long time, shifted over to triathlon for a while. Just, I, I don't really know why I did that. I think I had a family and I wanted to spend a bit more time coaching, but I got a lot of a huge buzz out of coaching, you know, adults. Um, so I coach everyone from, from the complete rookie to, podium placers and Kona Ironman. And uh, then we moved here, my family moved here in, to London three years ago. Um, and, you know, I coached uh, for about two years, just on a small little team, local team here. Um, and now I am sort of just moving into more of a life coaching space, uh, hopefully life coaching two coaches. Uh, and working with, um, you know, folks that are really sort of interested in leadership, culture, performance development, and um, that's kind of me. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, so much in there that's really fascinating. Lo loads of things um, that, like you say, that, that give us space to talk about this topic. So um, I believe you, you've represented Hong Kong at the Olympics. Is that correct? That's Past right. Olympics. Yeah. And, and so one of the first things I'm thinking is I, I'm just, just trying to remember watching swimming, and it's not my favorite, so it's not something I've watched an awful lot of, but I, I certainly don't see many people of mixed race in swimming. That's one of the things that I haven't seen very much of. Uh, so that, that makes me think that's an interesting space that you're in that's maybe n n not the norm um and and then like you say being a um a female coach in a triathlon especially maybe things like the iron man <laughs> making me go wow that must be fascinating <laughs> space to be in because they're pretty hardcore i i have friends that, that are, 
bit like their Ironman races. They're all men. Um, and then all these different countries as well. So, oh, my goodness. So, so much in there that, that would be fascinating to unpick in terms of understanding the influence of different cultural culture and, and, and maybe the things that are important in them and the things that, that, that affect our motivation and what we can do. But yeah, so, so, so loads. Um, I, I guess a nice place to start for me would be um, of all, you know, that, that time you spent there and all those things you do, what, what is it that you particularly think is important to bring to the coaching? Uh, you know, and, and you, you talked about that leadership and life coaching stuff that you're getting into now. So when you think about that, your coaching, and you've got that coach developer hat on, what is it that, that you think is really important? Yeah, so I think um, I, I'll just give a little bit of context. When I was, a, when I was an athlete, um, you know, there were two Germanys, and, you know, it was when Russia used to walk around with those really cool tracksuits, right? Um, and, you know, there were still boycotts and all of that fun stuff. Uh, and that was an era where people loved their sport just for the sake of it. There was no social media. There was, uh, you know, barely, like we didn't have phones. We didn't have, like, you know, you, you kind of, if the phone rang on the wall, you were all, you know, running for it. The siblings were like, oh, it's for me, it's for me, it's for me. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a simple time, right? It was a simple time. So I think now we're up against so many different challenges with the kids. It's this sort of, you know, immediate culture that they have to, that they are, are trying to find their feet in. Um, and it's not just the athletes, it's um, the support systems and the structures around that too. And, and, and you know, we're, we're not immune to it either. Um, so I think what I found is that when I moved here, um, I was kind of ripped from my comfort zone. Um, in Hong Kong, thinking, oh, it'd be great to just step into a, a great a little swim team here, bring all of my experience and influence in. And it just really wasn't as easy as it sounds. Um, and so I, I kind of made the decision, you know, through that whole time, I was very much sensing something in me that was kind of missing. So I really took that time and it's been probably 18 months now to kind of do a little bit of a, a self deep dive. Um, you know, like really what's important to me. I mean, those of you that have come in, into contact with me on some of these webinars and, you know, you've heard me talk about, you know, values-based coaching, character-based coaching. And it, I was really graded, you know, put up against it here. Um, and so I was wondering like, what, you know, what is it? What, I mean, what is it that's like, you know, upsetting me or, you know, like putting me, making me feel a little, you know, squirrely in this space. So, I love that word. <laughs> so, um, so I've spent a really good time, like just kind of peeling the layers of my own onion put it that way. Um, and it has been really worth it. So, and kind of coming out through it, what I've sort of sensed and noticed 
which is probably a little bit why I feel like um, coaches need, you know, coach, I'm always hearing coaches need a lot of support, but probably more on the, the self-development, the self-growth that, you know, it's okay for us to do this, especially like we talked about women feeling like they have a safe space to actually come and, and give their viewpoint as well. Um, you know, it's, and, and the way co- uh, coaching is moving here is, is really that sort of, you know, listen, understand, validate who you're talking to. And, you know, my mantra is very much like, you know, sport is great. It is an absolute perfect vessel to really create these life lessons. But I'm not out to create an Olympian. If one walks into my door, I'm ready for it, right? But I'm much, much more interested in creating an awesome human. So, you know, and and I'm okay with not knowing if I've done that, right? So if in 20 years' time an athlete says, please come to my wedding or whatnot, then I yeah. probably know I've, I planted a good <laughs> seed. But yeah. I'm okay with not, like, feeling like, you know what, if I have to get an athlete to an Olympic Games, then that's going to complete me. Um, I'd much rather have someone that can kind of step into the world, um, you know, really, really sure of themselves, knows what they're about, what they're going to do, how they're going to impact anybody else that they come into contact with. And so it's that space that I think is really worth coaches, anyone, anyone that leads, right? We're all, we all can lead. We all have leadership within us. It's just how do we express it? Um, so that's kind of where I stand on that. And, you know, I, 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 I I get, I get the sense that intellectually everyone understands that they just, I can't, I can't tell if they really know how to integrate it or if they have the support to be able to do that really, really well. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Really, really interesting. And I'm going to pick up on some bits in there because the, 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 such stuff, the, the stuff in there that I, um, I find fascinating, and I agree, sport is such an incredible place for, um, for people to just learn those skills for life, almost pretty much everything, and definitely, you know, um, whether you know, understanding themselves, understanding other people, mm. stuff like that. Uh, what's interesting is um, I tend to prickle when I hear coaches, and again, this is, we had a little bit of a conversation beforehand, guys, just before sort of heads the heads up, and we will get to talking a little bit about women in coaching. Um, when, I, when I hear particularly sort of quite authoritarian men talking about the fact that they're going to make someone a better person, because that is not what I, what I mean when I think about supporting or being part of somebody's journey to, to being... Um, you know, able to develop as a human, it's not value-based. And that better person, it always feels like it's value-based. They're going to make me, somehow I am not a good person if I am not skillful in their eyes. Mm. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, so I'd be interested in that, that bit. It's gonna, it makes it quite difficult, isn't it? It's like, you, you're right, people go, they say the words, and yet sometimes 
even the words and then the way they do something feels very um, judgment-laden and prescriptive um, and, and, and often at odds with my, my um, that sort of the nurturing guide by the side thing that where I sit more. And it's not just letting somebody do whatever they like at all, but it's definitely not authoritarian, judgmental, I'm going to make you better person thing. Mm. <laughs> so I'd be interested in. Yeah, I mean, you know, no one's going to argue that they're in there to, you know, really ruin your day and, you know, create a tyrant. It's not what we're out, out to do. Like, nobody is out to do that. But I think, I think, you know, I mean, just, just taking this time out for myself has really revealed some ugly spots um, where I'm like, huh, I never realized that actually that's how, that was my perspective on things, or that's how I sounded, or, you know, my intention was certainly not that, right? And um, I'm sure lots of parents who are listening uh, probably can relate to that pretty well, right? Because you can just, you can kind of really fly off on your kids sometimes. <laughs> and like today my daughter came in and she goes, you know, mom, I'm, I'm finishing this thing. Cause I, you know, I want to prove myself to you. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> like, come here. What, what do you mean by that? And she, you know, she's, she just said, well, you know, you, you asked me to follow through. So I, I, I finished it. I was like, okay, you finished the project. That's quite different (laughs) you know yeah you need to finish what you started (laughs) that's good but it's not about proving yourself to me you know you're perfect as you are you be the best version of yourself and I'll support and guide you and she was like oh okay I get it so that's not what I should have said you know so we she's only 12 but we had this it it sort of like really threw me off I was like what (laughs) so I think it's and we have those moments all the time when we coach and, you know, you can, and when, certainly when I coach, I'm a very jumpy up and down the pool deck, very energetic coach. And I've always said to my parents, don't, um, don't bother me on deck because I'm hot. Um, and it's kind of like, sometimes you can poke the bear. So just, just know that that's probably not in your best interest, (laughs) you know, and I'm not necessarily the friendliest person when I'm doing my job and, you know, I'm, and all of my athletes have told me there's a lot of tough love there, but the minute we move away from the pool deck, then, you know, we're really good friends. But when I'm on the deck, I tend to be, you know, a little bit of a, yeah, there's, it's tough love, but I've really started to, try and understand the space that I occupy when I'm talking to what well, depends on who I'm talking to, right? If I'm speaking to uh, an 11 year old, 12 year old group of boys, it's, it's quite different to a group of 11, 12 year old girls. Um, you know, uh, to the extent that I almost want to have separate practices for boys and girls, right? They're totally different creatures yes. at that time. Don't I know it having a boy? I wish I'd known that when I was a young girl. <laughs> you know, and and it's 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 funny like that. But what I've learned is that kids in the kids space 
they just observe and pick everything up from you, from what you do. I mean, you know, we've all been a car and had a little bit of road rage and the kids come home and they repeat something back to you and you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you know? Um, so they just do that constantly. And so I just have been quite mindful of how I'm modeling the values that I am trying to teach them, but also giving them like lessons. So for example, if I have a kid who's like, I don't want to do the dry land. I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. You stand here. We're not going to do the dry land, but you just stand here and, you know, we're going to, I'm going to go and work with these kids to do their dry land activity. And he's like, oh, well, it's so boring. I was like, well, no, it's fine. You made the decision. You want to stand here, but we're going to go out here. And if you, if you want to join us and if you want to be a good teammate, which is one of my things, right? You want to be a good teammate where, you know, it only works if we're all pitching in together, then you can come and join us. And then we go out and do our thing. And the Eventually, the kid will be like, actually, you know, I wouldn't mind joining in now, you know, but giving them that space to sort of figuring out versus pointing fingers and telling them that, you know, all the bad stuff. Um, so it's been really important to me to model. And, I, you know, here I've actually come up with some, you know, tough situations. You know, they're, the, the kids here in London can be pretty aggressive, not like I've um, really experienced before. I come from Asia. It's all about respect your elders, right? It's very hierarchical. <laughs> and they're, they're almost quite robotic over there. Um, and, and you know, we, we've had some tough situations where there, there's like one or two kids who just act out all the time, all the time. And it's so easy to just lose your rag with them. Um, and one of the, I remember one of the kids coming up who I had identified as, you know, like a leader for me. And I really, not the best swimmer at all, but someone who really just was a strong, had strong character. And so I wanted to kind of use him to sort of really try and mold the environment a little bit. And he was so frustrated with this kid. He's like, how come we're, you know, we're, like, we can't do this. Why don't you just kick them off the team? And I was like, okay, so if, how would you feel if you were just kicked off the team and actually there was something else going on? And we had this discussion, and, you know, he found that really helpful. He was like, okay, I'll give him another chance, and maybe I can be a good teammate and be a good friend here and see if actually they need something. Um, so it was a learning moment for them. And that's kind of what I mean about, you know, the, the awesome human. It's not like, okay, here's a checklist and I want you to go through all these things and you must be on time and you must wear your team shirt and you must, you know, come yeah. here this way and, you know, <laughs> you must, you know, say this. I mean, I, I, for the little kids, I kind of go through a little bit of a start like that and then I let them finish. Um, but, you know, and then with adults, well, you know, if you're just trying to be someone you're not, they just see straight through you and they'll catch you out, you know, and certainly Iron Man, they're, you know, freaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, one of the things that um, really strikes me in, in your description there, actually, which I think is really lovely, is the, the, way you, the way you handled that in those conversations, you put yourself in as part of a learning space with them. Mm. All of you together having that, um, you know, trying to understand what's happening for somebody else 
and ways in which to bring them in and seeing values in different places. So, you know, it, it sounds as if you very much put yourself in, in a, which I love in that space of going, okay, let's all have a look at what's going on here and how we can yeah, and support each other to this common goal. No, absolutely. You know, and it, it, it's, it's immediate and, and it was hard. I mean, my initial reaction probably was to sort of revert to my old school coaching style, you know, where, you know, the bear kind of comes out, <laughs> you know, and it's a grizzly. It's not like a nice fluffy thing. Um, <laughs> but, but I, you know, I really had to kind of catch myself just be like, okay, think, respond, don't react. Okay. Respond to this, use it as a learning opportunity. And it really started to help the dynamics a bit more to the extent that this kid, it eventually got kicked off the team, but only then wanted to talk to me about it. So found the trust. And she's like, I only want to swim with her. I understand. And she was, you know, she got to the point where she was, um, aware that she was really acting up, but, you know, clearly something was going on at school or at home or externally, something was, and she yeah. just wanted attention, but it got to the point where she was like, okay, well, I, I, I have this trust with, with my coach. Um, and that was good. So, you know, and, and, and then it, 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 the kids kind of started to mold that environment a bit more but I had to lead it. Yeah. So it was a little bit of that. I led the way, then I kind of came to their side and then it kind of, then I was more behind them just kind of saying, all right, you know, kind of laid the path for you. You guys know what I expect now. Um, but you have also adopted those expectations and those more standards. I kind of like standards, yeah. let's rise to standards because yeah. we can keep rising. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and with that acknowledgement that people are in very different spaces, aren't they? Mm -hmm. and, and come from different places. And it's really difficult to understand the lived experience of those individuals without finding a way to tap into it. Yeah. And, sure. and, and just making a valid judgment. And it, it must be, I mean, I'm just thinking it must be fascinating coming from a culture where you say, like, people are very respectful and they're you know, sort of well-behaved and, uh, you know, even just uh, COVID, you know, looking at some of the social distancing things, I'm thinking nobody's, nobody's listening to anything. They're just being so British. They're going, yeah, whatever, we'll see what we like. <laughs> but, that's stereotypical. Well, but it must be fascinating to step into that with, like, what I would call fresh eyes, with a different expectation. And, and you know, so hearing you talk how much, you sort of arrive and then just go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what I, you know, what I am used to. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, like the, the, the situation that I have always been in, you know, like I, I, the clubs that I have worked with and in and around or swam at, or, you know, whatever, like coach, athlete, you name it. Um, you know, there was a, a certain socioeconomic you know, standard there. Um, so if I look at my swim team of that I was in charge of um, back in after 2000 Olympics, all of those kids graduated. They all went to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, um, you know, University of Sydney, INSEAD. They are all uber professional now. 
um, you know, and it's quite funny. They still call me up. They're like, Hey coach. <laughs> you know? And so, so I, you know, I, and it's really nice that they do that. Um, and you know, I'm still in touch with, with a lot of them, but they were 13, 14 when I had them, um, you know, and it's just super, super successful. And yeah, in Hong Kong, it's very multinational, right? So I, you know, I'm a Eurasian. I call myself a Chinese Danish. Um, but so are all my friends, right? All my childhood friends are all half something and half something else. And it was very normal for me to grow up in that very multinational environment. Um, and so coming here, it, it wasn't so much, you know, the, I guess the, uh, demographics or, you know, the folks, it was just this, this, uh, there, there wasn't, there wasn't like a, a like boundaries and th- this, this rule thing, which you certainly see with, with this pandemic, right? Um, they weren't, they just don't want to follow them. So for me, that was a little bit of a shock. So I had to, I had to kind of reposition, okay, how do I, how do I approach this now? Because, um, you know, the kids, the kids don't want to do half this stuff, which, which my teams in Hong Kong were like, okay, sure. I'll be there on time. I'll line up. As you say, I'll go five seconds apart. (laughs) They're like robots. Um, and that's, you know, it's quite easy to coach that sort of setup, but you know, they do it in the U S as well. And they do it in Australia, but here I, and I've only been in one swim team. So I have very, very little experience here, but but yeah, it, it made me kind of go think I had to be creative, um, and play with a few scenarios to really try and understand, okay, how do I make this, this group pick, right? How do I? And, and, and it was all about, okay, I've just got to make it fun for them because I don't think there's a lot of fun in their day, <laughs> to be honest, um, because I'm finding that where I live, it is extremely time poor, um, and the kids are pulled in every single direction. Not just kids, adults too. Right? Yeah. London is an extremely inconvenient city which is a huge contrast from coming from Hong Kong, which is perhaps the most convenient and efficient city on the planet. Um, You know, I never lived more than a mile from any pool. We had 50 Olympic sized pools, you know, and Hong Kong's like, I mean, it's like nothing in terms of size, but you know, you have, you have the the London Aquatic Center, and you have Crystal Palace, which they're threatening to pull down. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I just, I kind of, it was a bit of a culture shock. I was like, wow, I speak, speak the same language, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> weird. This is, this is a little weird. <laughs> I, I do, I have to, uh, they gave the listeners, uh, the first time I ever spoke to you, um, I chuckled when you said you turned up at the pool and you were like, well, where's, where's, where's the pool? <laughs> yeah. Where's, where's the big pool? <laughs> I know. I know. I really was. I thought, I thought this was the baby pool, like literally where they 
taught the lessons for like the little guys, right? So the teachers would be in the water and they would line it up. And I was like, so what is the pool? They're like, this is it. I was like, wow. Okay. All right. Well, let's just, let's just see, you know, it's just the facility. It's still water. (laughs) So I, I, you've talked about a couple of things there about what makes people tick, um, which, which, uh, be really good to, um, to, to, to move on to as well but I'm quite keen to talk about your experiences as a woman as well as a female in that space and coming to the UK and stepping into that you know environment where uh, uh, you know how, how was that there's a bit of me that's kind of guessing that you probably enough of a grizzly bear that the guy just goes that's fine <laughs> that maybe other women might not be able to do that you know that sort of like having having that confident energy or just something that's different for them so they can't bo- put you in a box easily but so I'm I'm curious about your experiences there you know when when you sort of came over here and then um you know how did you get into coaching here and what was that like yeah so I came we moved here three years ago and um I I figured okay I, I just need to kind of research what's going on here I had, and I wanted to um, make sure I could work here too. So I had to go through the whole like, here are all my qualifications, and then the whole like, yeah, well, you know, that doesn't mean anything. So you have to requalify. So for that, that whole thing was just like, I am too old for this. <laughs> you know? so, so I went through like the whole RPL thing, which just literally drove me bananas. Um, and you know, that, that, that wasn't a great start for us. Like, geez, this is, this is just so like, I felt it was so kind of bureaucratic a little bit, um, and quite old fashioned. And I almost wanted to just tell the assessor, I was like, could you just come to the pool? Because we could clear this up in an hour, like not even like 30 minutes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I think you'll figure it out straight away that I know what I'm talking about. Um, and that I have the requisite skill and that you could just, you know, sign me up, you know, uh, take that box. Um, but anyway, it was a process that I went through. And so I kind of had to find a, a team to work with to do that. So the team itself was very open and it was, a, a lot of the coaches that I've kind of come across are foreigners. So, you know, the the head coach was a foreigner and he had spent a lot of time in the U.S. So, and I literally walked off the street. I said, well, I live around the corner. Do you need any coaches? He said, "Uh, can you, do you want to just show me what you got? Can you just coach for like the warm-up? I said, sure, I'll coach the warm-up, you know. And and after the warm-up, he's like, you're hired. (laughs) So, and he just, he just said, he's like, we need this energy. We need, and you know, he, he really like the whole rah-rah American can-do thing. So, um, you know, and he could see that I was engaged. I knew what I was talking about. So that that was fun. And, and um, I, I literally became his sounding board because then there was a lot of, you know, like issues with the committee and the board and with who I got along very well with. Um, and I think, yes, what you said was they, they couldn't quite put me in a box. So they, and to their credit, they didn't, um, they kind of just said, well, I think she knows what she's talking about. And, you know, she's, she's not taking any prisoners here and she's just going to get on with it. 
Um, and again, I was very much like, I've got to, I've said that these are the things that are important to me. I, I really have to model them. I have to be that person. So I was very mindful of that. Um, and yeah, I think it just, it got to that point, like right when I said in the very beginning, it was that it, what, what kind of made life a little difficult for me was that intellectual piece. You know, you want me to do this. I've done all these things that you really wanted to achieve with this club, but we're missing that character piece that we sort of, that kind of got me here in the first place. Right. The, the head coach had, had, had been fired and, and, and we had, I had been moved up into a, a, a director role. Um, and, and so that was sort of the change of the culture. And I, I had said, look, this is, this is going to take time. Culture doesn't happen overnight, but this is sort of my, my mapping of how I'd like it to look and based on what, what you guys want. Um, and, you know, from what I could see, again, it was very much a what I would call a recreational team, you know, and it, they wanted to serve the community and they wanted to be uh, a part. And I was like, oh, perfect. I love this stuff. You know, let's get the kids all involved. Let's, I want to get to the point where we show up at a meet and folks are really kind of, you know, envious of, of us, not from our swimming prowess, but really because we show up well. Right. And we're, we're thanking the volunteers and we're helping the cleanup process. And it's, you know, it's, we don't just sort of barge in, do our thing and leave like that is, you know, I guess that's the Asian in me, you know, it's like order, neat and tidy, keep, you know, very Mari Kondo, <laughs> keeping it very clean, everyone. Um, and yeah, it was, it, and, and also just, I would love for the community to be proud of our team to say, you know, we have such a great program here. And again, it was, it's not about the results. It's about the personality of the team, the character of the team. So the difficulty I had was that intellectually, again, it was very, very much understood but I think as they started to they started to see what it was going to take, it was almost too difficult to to really kind of fly that flag, like for them to all do it. And the other coaches were just not as professional as I had hoped for them to be um, in that respect. Um, not that they weren't willing to learn, but I think they were more like, oh, but here's the theory and this, the theory will work. So this is, you know, again, more old school, it's holistic, um, where I was like, well, look, you know, if, if you've got some, if you create good character, good culture here, th they're going to get the theory. <laughs> <You know? laughs> doesn't always work the other way around. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I used to swim for just a beast of a coach. Oh man, he was just he's he's a world famous swim coach, American swim coach, been the U.S. Olympic coach for like many times over. 
And in the 80s, he was in charge of Mission Viejo Natadors, like all these incredible swim teams. And, you know, people would go to him, and he was really like a survival of the fittest coach. And he was small. He was a small man. And he was so manipulative and so controlling. And he would come up right to you and sort of, you know, wear his hat real low, like classic American trucker hat, and sort of talk real low. So you kind of had to stoop low and listen to him. <laughs> you know, and he just, he was just so controlling and just this. And actually, looking back at it, just not a very good coach, but he he got results because he kind of just bullied everyone into it in in a quiet way, but he did it. Um, and yeah, that just that just you know I just don't like any of that at all. But some of the coaches I came across, and we you know I also did a few. Um, you know, CPDs with UK coaching. And there were some coaches in there. They're like, you know, and a lot of them are foreigners. He's like, I want an Olympian. and I want to do this. And, you know, like, this is how we're going to do it. And I was like, wow, this is just not really my cup of tea anymore. Like it takes a really certain type of person to be able to deal with that. Um, And, you know, 95% 95% of the kids in your program are not that type of person. No. That, oh, I'm just, um, I mean, this is a, an interesting thing that occasionally people say to me, you know, well, the one thing that we, that we know from, this is correlation about people who um, become elite is that they've had really traumatic backgrounds and really abusive backgrounds. And there's a little bit of me that thinks, is that because they day with coaches like that where where other people go forget it mate I'm not going to be in this space with this energy I don't need to whereas somebody for whom that is more their normal they're, they're less likely to leave I mean I, I, there's no research to my knowledge on it but I keep thinking you know because this is a correlation it doesn't mean that it's causing it it doesn't mean you have to have trauma in your your life and childhood or abuse in order to be an Olympian, but maybe more people like that tolerate that old school bullying coaching style because for them that is a bit more normal. But this person thinks they're going to be amazing rather than just being toxic. They are also believing me, so that is really powerful. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just exploring something off piece. You know, as I like, my son had one experience as an eight-year-old with with a coach a bit like like that in a just you know only a tiny bit like that in a paddle sport thing. And I didn't get back in a boat for ten years. He just walked out and went, "I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> I'm never going back there, Mom." It was he was rubbish. <laughs> How rude! <laughs> and, yeah. You know, he wouldn't have ever made an Olympian if that was the only coaches. <laughs> He didn't yeah. come back. He's like, you don't say, you know, don't say. He, even at eight, he recognized that was not okay. Mm. No, I mean, I, you know, that experience for me, I was in college, right? So there I am. I'm at, at USC in, in California, you know, the, the site of the 84 Olympics, the site of the 2028 Olympics. So, I mean, incredible facility, right? And this guy just, I just, didn't like him and he also and you know his he he kind of came on later i didn't he he came on after i was already there and so the the 
yeah. for the team changed a little bit and his recruiting styles changed a little bit. Um, and he brought in the top swimmer of, um, in the world, ranked in the world of that year at, in leading up to the 96 Olympics. And literally just, it was all about her. Like everything was about her. The whole team has to do this, you know, she, and it was sort of like he needed the validation that he has the best programs. She could win an Olympic gold medal and blah, 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 at the expense of all of us. But then all of us were also there and it was just sort of like, where we're kind of, you know, wedded to this program because we're scholarships or whatever it is. And I got to get my college degree and, you know, and there was a, there was a lot of that, um, and I mean, he, he really struggled with me going to swim for, for in the Commonwealth games. Cause uh, he's, for Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause he's American. He's like, I don't even yeah, know yeah. what Commonwealth games is. It means nothing to me. And yeah. my national team coach was Bill Sweetnam, who was the high performance director of British swimming. Um, yeah. That really sort of, you know, set Britain on its way where it is right now. And, you know, they had this competitive thing going on, too. Not so much Bill, but Mark, for sure, was like, um, and I just thought, you know what? You're denying me a chance to swim internationally. So I'm just going to study as fast as I can and get out of here. And um, and I moved to Cardiff. Of course, <laughs> which I'm very close to now. So I have a question for you. So one of the things, um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with um, any of Marco Sullivan's stuff, and if you're not, I shall send you some things over. And he, he's doing work in AIK Sweden, Football Play, um, Academy, and, and, and he's really looking at whether or not we can flip this sort of model away from, you know, in order to get some elite performers, we have people at all these different levels sort of gate these coaches in, in the club then become gateways to who gets onto a talent development program. And, and, you know, with, with that idea that they find one person and then they kind of, everyone else really sort of often gets um, pushed by the wayside or is helping those people they've identified. His mantra is as many as people or as many as possible, as long as possible, as good as possible. So once they get into that academy, unless they choose to leave, they stay there. But if they stay there, they still need to turn up. Like you say, they turn up for practice. They do the things they need to do. That's the deal. If one year they're having a growth spurt or they're having struggling with work and they don't achieve as well, they don't get kicked out as long as they're still turning up. Mm-hmm. You know, and they find actually sometimes, you know, then years later, those people who would have been kicked out are the ones that then come, become, you know, really to the fore. And, you know, and, and here, I guess the whole thing in that is that we could still get the same number of people on an Olympic podium, but what that, we used to call it like the um, awake, you know, examine the wake. You know, when a boat goes through the water, you look at the wake. You, so you have a look at what they leave behind. <laughs> and is it a trail of destruction, broken hearts, broken dreams, and people who are never going to do that sport again? Or have you still got those people there, but you've got this amazing wake behind you of, of passionate, enthusiastic people who have, like you say, learned incredible life skills and, you know, really want to do stuff. Uh, because the, the X number of people on the podium tends to be used as a reason to continue. 
those some of those coaching behaviors that I would consider more old school and more toxic. Mm, yeah. Um, so what I think is a lot of coaches from that era, like that, you know, that old school era, right, have or so like there's a lot of coaches that were athletes during that old school era. And I think, you know, I've examined myself. Why did I get into coaching? Well, I felt like I only know swimming. And actually, I tried working in an office, and it was just, like, not my thing. Um, And I kept being drawn back to being outside, being in the sun, being in the pool, and really helping and teaching. And, and, And actually, that just became my thing. But my initial draw to coaching was not from a good place it was it was I was you know angry pissed off my career didn't go quite as well as I wanted it to um you know I didn't get picked for that team or I you know and 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 then my coaching style was I mean I was young right and 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 very naive and I think so many coaches who are like now older and wiser will will have gone through this right and be like oh no 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 I don't coach like that at all but anymore at least but I think we've, we, you know, so many of us have sort of graduated into that space and probably came into coaching, probably not for the best reasons, but for no other reason than I have spent so much of my time giving up for this sport. And really, this is what I know. And I do get some validation from it because I have swum at a high level or whatever it is, right? So, boom, there you go. And suddenly you have these coaches then that just keep perpetuating this sort of old school style, which is why I think it's really important to examine it and to look at yourself and dive deep and, and really kind of see, right, what is actually the best way for me to express what I really want as a coach and for these athletes. Um, So the other thing for me coming here is really, you know, you, the UK has an amazing coach support development structure. I mean, you guys really, really do. And I've heard a couple people complain about it, but not, not so much as, in, you know, like, um, oh, we're not good enough or whatever, but more, more of a way to say, you know, maybe it's time to kind of shake things up a little bit and, and look at how we're doing things. So being more of, you know, creative. I kind of have this thing where you either compete or you create. And if you compete, you're like anxious and, you know, struggling the whole time and you're out there with everyone else or you're creating where you're in flow and you're just figuring things out and moving forwards. Right. So, so I am, um, I'm super grateful for what's available here to coaches because it is really, it's, it's better than the U S for sure in terms of, uh, development connection, um, sharing of ideas, cross-sport pollination, all of that fun stuff. You know, there's a lot of opportunity there to really bring this together and say, what do we actually want for the future of great British sport, right? What do we want? Um, Now, if you look at British swimming, for example, now I haven't read too much about this, um, but they have have just launched um, a new sort of pathway system which is very much about the British identity, right? And I thought, God, 
finally, about time. It's about time. Because, you know, they always talk about the Australians and they always talk about the Americans, you know, and the Australians actually, their system is not too different because I swam over there for every summer for a while. They're not too different from what's here. They just have space and much more, they have a, a lot less of an aversion to water, put it that way. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think another good thing, another important thing, is they, they value their swimmers just as much as they value their cricket players and their rugby players. They, Australia really values its athletes. Whereas here, not so much. <laughs> you know? It's sort of, okay, we'll talk about all these other guys every four years, right? But then, you know, like Chrissy Wellington, for example, is an incredible Ironman um, athlete. Just incredible what she can do and what she has done, but like nobody knows about her, <laughs> right? And, and and also like an awesome human, like what she's doing and what she's doing for the sport and what she's doing for humanity and her story, just amazing. It's very inspirational. Um, but there's a definite sort of football, rugby, cricket culture here, and that's it. And it yeah. dominates the pages, right? And like. You know, thank God for Adam Peavy, but I think a lot of people are probably, you know, if he was on a quiz, yeah, probably some people in the room would know about him. But, you know, still not a household name. I think that's really important for developing a certain type of well-rounded culture as well. Um, and, you know, it's, I see it a little bit in the schools here. It's weighted towards those sports. Yeah. Where, do, where do the girls show up? The girls show up in hockey. That's about it. Right? Yeah. No, nothing else. Uh, maybe rowing. But again, every four years. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And very, you know, the sports that I'm involved in, adventure sports and stuff like that, don't, you know, don't show up. So I'm sort of like, it's quite um, mindful of making sure that they get picked, you know, what I'm but they are sports. And like loads of them are Olympic sports as well. <laughs> and they have mass participation in activity. You know, I don't know, maybe compared to football, but probably more than rugby. But what they don't have is mass participation in paid watching. There's yeah. very, you know, so they're not worth as much to big business necessarily. But there's a huge participation in some of those sports. Yeah. And there are Olympic sports. And like you say, it's like, how do we, with all of these sports and with people involved in them, otherwise, you know, any sports, we just end up, you know, working with athletes that football don't want, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> although they don't want to be in football. But, but, but yeah, to, to, like you say, to, to be acknowledged and be valued with all of those sports at all those levels. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think sport is for life, right? So if you're going to be an elite athlete, there is a shelf life for sure, right? And you just can't sustain that. But that shelf life is increasing over time. I, mean, I, I retired when I was 23. If I was still competing now, I'd, I'd probably still be competing into my 30s. That's more, much more normal, right? Yeah. So from my era, it was like, okay, done with college, maybe a year. But I really, I, you know, it wasn't pro. There was no money in it. Um, and so what am I going to do? i got to go find a job. I don't want to work in an office. So, yeah, I'll just become a coach, <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> and so many of us did that. And some of, some of them have become 
extremely successful uh, and really, really good coaches. Um, but they've come from the old school system. So I think there's a ripe opportunity now to really work with the future of coaches and just, you know, like grow them, grow them as well as you can, you know, and pass them around. And I, and I think that, I think you guys have that in place, but you're handpicking pretty established coaches already. For example, Mel Marshall, when she went through, um, you know, the, the, I, I can't, I, 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 I can't remember the name of the program, but, you know, she was established already and she was picked through this. So it's a very small handful of coaches um, that get to experience that. But I think that should be opened up to whoever is just like, this is a career. I, this is my passion. I really, really want to get involved with this. And, you know, we, it's all about making an impact because, you know, that's what we do in sports. We can, you know, we have this privilege of working yeah. with people who want to get better in sport, but through that, that's where all of their character is really, I wouldn't say developed, I want to say fully expressed. Yeah, that's a nice way. Or it has the opportunity to be fully expressed. Absolutely. We space for that, yeah, yeah. To, to, to do that. So and, yeah. And and, I mean, and for the coaches too, like that that yeah. it's it's a it's a <laughs> partnership, right? Yeah, right. I'm I'm mindful of time. I'm also mindful that I could I could listen to you for hours, and then we're definitely going to have to do another another podcast. Um, that seems like a really good place to finish. And I um, one of the reasons for these podcasts and to talk to people like you is to increase that space, like I say, to create space that. Um, brings more people in more coaches more coach developers into this this environment so that we can learn from each other and give people the opportunity to develop and and you know as a coach in whatever way they wish to you know so that that it it doesn't seem so close and um you know with the way uk coaching works with the other partnerships like uk sport hopefully that will keep opening up that opportunity and hopefully keep opening it up to people who are not normally represented in, in that space as well. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, Anne-Marie. I'm just looking at my timer and thinking, God, I could just listen for another hour. But I had a two-hour podcast with Kathy Sierra, and I won't get away with too many of that length. <laughs> wasn't finished. Yeah. Um, thank so, you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I, I, I can ramble on. For, I'm, a, I'm a thinking talker. So stuff comes uh, into my head while I'm talking. So you have to, you have to keep me I on love the straight it. and narrow. <laughs> no, I, I love it. And, I, and it would be really good to talk a little bit more to pick up some of the women in coaching. But, but I think in some ways, I think that shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't have to always be the topic because the women are there as awesome just as coaches and coach developers. Absolutely. Uh, but it would be nice to play with some of the way in which we make it safer space for other people to come in as well. So thank you so much, Anne-Marie. And I know that we've already lined up to do some other stuff with UK Coaching. So I, I hope people have enjoyed listening to this. And thank you so much for talking to us today, Anne-Marie. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.